Hey, well, family, it's great to be back together, to dive into God's word together, to fight for community, to get a little scrappy, as Stephanie mentioned earlier. And so we're going to continue to dive in. If you're with us last week, you heard Tori say, hey, I need you. You need me. We need each other. And I really thought he was about to quote Barney and say, I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. Okay. And so we're not going to quote Barney all day, but we're going to shift that direction, okay? And so if a big purple dinosaur comes up on your screen, it's not my fault. (laughs) And what we're going to do is we're going to look at how we disciple each other within community. And we're going to look at a passage that maybe you've thought of before as just being about missions. Maybe you've thought of it just really being about evangelism. But what we're going to see today is that they're not doing that on their own, where often as believers, we think we're on our own. We think we're on our own doing mission. We think we're on our own trying to please the Lord. And we're just not true, okay? And so we get to look at this and we get to fight for community together as we disciple each other. We're going to grow and learn from each other. We need each other. Yes, Tori, that is true. We love each other. Yes, Barney, that is true. But we're going to dive into actually being on mission together. But first, looking at how we get to do this thing called life together. How do we disciple each other? And so we'll save a lot of the mission for next week. We'll save a lot of how we do that. But really this week, I want you to look at the relationships of that. So we're going to dive right in. Grab your Bibles. Go tell your kids to grab the Bible and bring it to you. Whatever you need to do to get them to be calm right now, okay? Whatever uh, you need to do to get the scriptures in front of you, we want your eyes on the Word. That's what we say when we're in Martin, wherever we're meeting. We want you to have your eyes on the Word. So do the same with us as you're with us virtually, okay? So we're gonna be in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. The Great Commission, it is great, we're gonna get into it, but I'm gonna ask my friend Norelli to read it for us this morning. Hi, my name is Norelli Escalona, and I'm a covenant member at The Well, and I serve on the Connections team. Today I'm gonna be reading Matthew 16 through 20, and it's the Great Commission. It says, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the ends of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Norelli. Man, this is such a big reminder for us to go our perspective off of ourselves and onto Jesus and onto others. And so we're going to look at this passage through a different lens, through the lens of community, and we're going to see how God meets us in that. And so first thing, first P, I'm very pastoral today. You got three P's, okay? The first one is going to be power. Jesus is giving his disciples power. He's giving you and me power because he's got all the authority. And as we look at that, we're going to see that we're empowered together to be on mission together. And when we're empowered together, we understand that, hey, Anthony's empowered to do this. Stephanie's empowered to do this. I'm empowered to do this. But together, we get to look like the body of Christ. We get to function as the body of Christ. And so I look at this through a different lens of community and ask you to do the same. And so let's go to verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to 
me. Now let's pause right there. There's something going on in the grammar there that I've jumped over for years and I bet you probably have too. It's that every time the disciples are addressed, it's as a team, it's as a group, it's plural. Every time Jesus is addressed, it's just him. It's him by himself. And so where Jesus can be doing everything on his own because he is God and you are not, and okay, we got that. We get to see that disciples, they actually need each other to be on mission. You cannot do this on your own. And what God is welcoming us into is to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. When they saw him, even when some doubted, there wasn't just one guy that doubted, okay? There was some that doubted. And we get to see that Jesus is drawing people to himself, not to the disciples as a group, but to him. And so it's really interesting, even when we look at the Trinity, like last week as Tori is walking through that with us, we get to see that God refers to himself, even though he's three persons, as he's one being, he's God, he has one name, right? And so in this, we get to understand that, man, Jesus is, he's singular, we are getting to operate, though, as a team. We're called in this, we're empowered together. And so all of us have different gifts in this room. We can't lead worship, some of us, some of us can't preach, some of us can't do this, some of us can't do that, but that doesn't make up the body fully. It has to be all of us together going to Jesus, right? Without him, there's really no point to us doing any of this. And so as we look at Jesus, we get to see how we're supposed to interact together. They went together. I can only imagine the journey it took and the conversations that were going on. You gotta remember here, Jesus had died and was risen again, and they actually saw this, okay? This is a big deal, yet some hadn't seen him yet. And so you imagine if me and Chris and Sean are walking three days to go see if we can find Jesus on a mountain, the conversations that would be going on, the mess that would be going on, right? I mean, Chris is telling us, hey, you guys just gotta have more faith, right? And I'm saying, hey, let's just keep going towards the mountain. And Sean's saying, I don't know, man. And so all of those are going on together. But we as a team are walking, we're part of something even bigger than ourselves. Imagine the disciples here who just three years prior were considered fishermen or tax collectors. They weren't these religious leaders. They weren't men that were gonna change the world in anybody's eyes but Jesus. And so we get to see here that they're walking, they're doing this together and yet some doubted. Can you imagine seeing the resurrected Christ and doubting? Like what a fool. In reality, many of us would do the exact same thing. Jesus has done things in our lives that we say, oh, that was just that person or that was just this thing. God was moving and working, trying to draw you to himself and you just doubt that that was really him. But yet even in that, there's mercy and there's grace because Jesus still empowers the same people that are doubting if he's even resurrected. And he's giving them a purpose with their lives. He does the same thing for you and me. Even in our doubt, even in our sin, as we confessed earlier, we get to still be a part of what God is doing. He's not just calling you to be on mission by yourself, but he's calling you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And so as we're empowered together, then we get to be on mission together. Imagine that journey, though. Imagine the conversations. Imagine what you would be saying. Would you be saying, all right, I can't wait to go see Jesus. We're going to go take over the world. Man, Jesus, where have you been? I've been struggling with COVID. I don't know what's going to happen with life. Where would you be? Because in that moment of the journey to get to see Jesus is where he's really drawing you to himself. Right now, many of us are on a journey of getting to go see Jesus, and we're waiting to see what he's going to really look like. 
We're waiting to experience him. And often we're worshiping the moment of meeting Jesus more than Jesus himself. We're looking more forward to this moment where we're going to be able to tell people, hey, guys, I met Jesus. Come see him. Rather than saying, I just want to be with you, Jesus. I think of a lot of folks uh, that go through college ministries, and I know I was one of them. And as a college pastor, I experienced a lot of this where people would say, hey guys, I met Jesus in college and it was great, but I don't know if it's really what I'm doing with my life now. Or, hey guys, come, come hear my story. I got saved, I met Jesus. And then people come up and ask that person and they say, hey, what's he like? What did he talk to you about? Say, I don't know, but I met him. Wasn't that good enough? And so we look more forward to the moment of seeing him and telling others about him than actually being with him. When Jesus promises his presence with us, and in that he gives us authority to carry out the mission that he's called us to. You and I have been empowered, and we have power through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is so different than I live my life every day. That is so different of a mindset than all of us operate with because we think we have to do it on our own strength because we see that we're alone. We don't have our eyes on Jesus who's pointing us to be on mission with other people around us. And so as we dive into this, we're seeing that Jesus is not just talking to them as a group, but he's giving them authority as a group. He's giving them everything they need to go boldly where they're actually being persecuted, to go and do as he did, to give their lives for something bigger than themselves, to give their lives for the sake of others, exactly what Jesus did for you and me. When he empowers us, man, I always get stuck with this. Like, what does it really mean to be empowered? Does it mean I get some superpower and I'm going to be able to run through a wall? Or does it mean that I'm never going to be tired? Does it mean that I'll never doubt? No. It means that he's going to walk with me and that he's given me the authority to carry out what he's called me to. Often I get caught up trying to carry out more than God's actually called me to. I try to do more than he said, Adam, I want you to step into this situation. I want you to talk about this. I want you to do this. And he's saying, Adam, I never asked you to do that. That's why you're exhausted. Why don't you come to me and go out of the power that I have given you? Because he's got all authority of heaven and earth. It covers everything. We don't know anything else, okay? He's got all authority. And when he says he has all authority, he means it. And when he's giving that to us, the first thing he says when he's got that authority is to go. And he's asking us to go not just by ourselves, not commissioning one person at a time, not saying, Sean, this whole thing is on you. Go share the gospel with the rest of the world. This whole thing's on you, Adam. It falls on your shoulders. He commissions them together and to carry out what he's taught them together. And I think it's awesome because it gave them a purpose. It gave them a purpose to see Jesus in every area of their lives. See, Jesus matters in everything. You might not like that, but it's true. He matters in your marriage. He matters in your job. He matters in coronavirus. He matters in racial tension. Jesus matters in politics. Jesus matters in issues of the world that we just call ethics and we throw them to the side because we really don't want to talk about them over the dinner table, okay? Jesus even matters in Zoom calls and Zoom etiquette, okay? Jesus matters in everything, And for us to invite him in, we're actually inviting in a purpose with our lives that's greater than ourselves. Jesus didn't save you from hell just to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. He didn't save you just so you'd have a get out of hell free card. He saved you for a purpose while you're still here on earth. And look at verse 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Let's pause right there. Let's look at this here. He's given us a purpose. He's given us a task, really. And a lot of us wrestle with like, what has God called me to? What's God's will for my life? And we often spend years that end up being wasted because we're waiting for him to tell us what to do with our lives. We often spend years trying to wait on our own in silence saying, God, if you just tell me where to go, if you just tell me what job to get, if you just tell me who to marry, then I'll be happy. And so we're worshiping, again, hearing from God more than being with God. And in that moment, we have to surrender our ideal version of what we think God wants us to be and do and actually listen to other people around us that God has given us as gifts, the body of Christ, to tell us how we're supposed to live, move, and breathe. And so right here, he's commissioning the disciples as a group. He's telling them to go as a group. He's given purpose as a group. And for us, if we're living life isolated on our own, we will forget what God has commissioned us as a people of God to do. In fact, we can't fully obey God apart from the people of God. I can't love everybody as my neighbor if I'm isolated by myself. I can't even carry out the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience. Those are all relational. And so when I look here at the purposes of God, I look at how he's doing that and reminding me of his purpose for my life through other people. And so when I see him say, go, man, it's not like Jesus waited. He says, I got the authority, now it's time. It's go time, let's do this, let's go. It's the mission has begun, let's go. And it's not by yourself. You're not doing that on your own. And so as we disciple each other, it takes relationship. It takes us stepping into each other's lives, getting a little scrappy, really looking into the mess of who we are. Because when we start to confess our sin and invite other people in, man, healing takes place. It's a beautiful thing. James 5.16 tells us that when we pray for each other, we confess our sins to one another, we're actually healed. We're healed from that shame. And that happens in the context of community. And so as we carry out the purpose of God, before we can go, we have to be together and loving each other the way Jesus has called us to. And then he tells us to to make disciples. What does it mean to make a disciple? You've probably heard of 50 different versions of what it means to make a disciple. At the well, we want to reproduce disciples. I mean, what does that even mean? Like, how do you reproduce a disciple? What does this look like? Well, for us, we want to disciple people that are going to disciple other people because we realize that, man, our faith does not stop with us. It doesn't stop with somebody hearing from me. The gospel is so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than you sharing or discipling one person in front of you. It needs to be carried on. And so as we carry on the vision and we actually preach the gospel to each other, we should also be preaching the vision of discipling other people because that vision is Jesus' vision that as we would carry that out, we would make disciples of all nations, of all ethnicities is what he's really saying, that all people need to image him and be a part of his family. So he's commissioning them together. He's empowering them together. He's giving them power to go reach the whole world. These fishermen and tax collectors are now gonna change the universe. And you and I are fruit from their lives from them being commissioned as a group. This is probably the greatest community group ever, if you will. Like, they had the best CG shepherd ever, Jesus Christ, okay? (laughs) The great shepherd. And so what we see here is that as we make disciples, 
we have to remind each other that this is still what we believe. This has not changed. Coronavirus has not changed the importance of discipleship at the Well Austin. It has actually made it more important and revealed to us how we put so much emphasis on meeting together on Sundays that we've forgotten to actually love Jesus the other six days of the week. And so we have to call each other into discipling each other. We have to remind each other that we need each other. And yes, we love each other, but we do it for the sake of the gospel, for something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we're not called to simply profess our faith. We're actually called to disciple others. And so we see that we can go, we can make, and then we, we get to really see that we do this in community. We're not doing this by ourselves. I mean, I think of being a pastor's kid, and Chris, I know you were a pastor's kid, and like, you had a bunch of people in the church that could whoop on you, right? Like, you had aunts and aunts, and you know, people that are gonna mess with you. You had people that are come and say, hey, you know, they're gonna go tell your mom and dad and say, hey, Chris was misbehaving. I had that too, okay? The llamas and the pachinis, I love you guys. You're like extra parents to me. Thank you, okay? And in that, I was raised by a village of believers. I was raised by people that wanted more for me than just even what my parents wanted. And so I was discipled by a whole lot of people as a little kid. And then I remember my parents and their wisdom. They knew when I was a teenager, I wasn't going to listen to them. But they invited other people to actually disciple me. I remember a guy named David Womack when I was 17 and had been doing stupid stuff. He, he calls me up and says, hey, meet me at LA Fitness, 5.15 tomorrow. I'm gonna beat you in one-on-one. So I was there, okay? I was there because I was cocky, I was 17, I was arrogant. And he made me actually memorize scripture before we could ever work out. And so for the next year, we worked out together. He discipled me, sure, in weights and basketball and stuff, but much, much more than that, he made me memorize scripture before we could ever lift a weight. We did that three days a week for a year. This was a guy with four kids, had no business needing to help me at all, but he was a part of the greater community that was discipling me and shaping me and forming me into who I am today. I I don't even talk to him on the phone now. Should I, could I? Yes. You have people in your life like that that were praying for you that you probably never even knew. People at the well that have been praying for you, people that really have no business in the world's eyes coming into your life. Different parents and people growing you up in the church saying, hey, I love you, I want to see you following Jesus. But man, we get to celebrate what God is doing. So part of making disciples is having to be in community together. It's not just a a vertical relationship where we're discipled this way from God or this way from other people. It's between a community of believers looking more and more like Christ. We get to do that together. Man, I got to think about this one here. It's it's go, it's make, it's baptize. And so we get to baptize each other. I miss our celebration Sundays. I miss having a bunch of us get together and celebrate and sing and just praise God in a crazy little courtyard and Martin Middle School. And it's messy and it's weird and it's great, okay? And so we love celebrating what God is doing. And part of baptism is actually identifying with a body of believers. It's not that you get saved when you're baptized. That's actually nowhere in scripture. It's actually when you get baptized that you are saying, I'm a part of this family and I identify 
as one who wants to follow Jesus with my whole life. I recognize that Jesus sacrificed his life for me. That's what you're doing in baptism. That's why we celebrate, because you're no longer trying to serve yourself, but you're saying, I need this community to help me follow Jesus. So when they're commanded to baptize others, he's saying, grow this family, guys. Grow this community. Let's do this together. And he tells them to teach everything that he had taught them, okay? That's a lot. If I'm Peter, if I'm John, I'm like, Jesus, that's a whole lot of stuff. How am I supposed to teach everything that you've commanded us to do? I mean, this is a whole bunch of stuff. There's three years of sermons, okay? Even the best sermons, they're hard to reteach like that, okay? But they're actually supposed to teach with their lives. And they can't do this by themselves. So as they make disciples, as they do this together, they are teaching each other. They're reminding each other. I need every single one of you to remind me to follow Jesus. We need each other to remind each other to follow Jesus. So I'm going to ask my friend Nick to read one of the greatest commands that Jesus gives us, actually, in John 13, 34 through 35. Hey, Royal family. My name is Nick Barzilla. I'm a member of the 290 East Community Group, and I serve on the production team. Today, I'm going to be reading from John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love y'all. Miss y'all. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Nick. Man, this is one of the things that Jesus taught his disciples that they would actually be known by their love for each other. And again, I'm I'm torn between this because I want to love other people, but I'm terrible at it. And so are you, okay? And as we look at this passage, I want to be identified as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want that for me selfishly. I want to be known as that, and I want that for you. But to love each other takes sacrifice. It takes giving up my rights and my pride and thinking that I have anything to offer and that I lay those down just as Jesus laid those down. It takes me saying that I want to love other people despite myself, despite my desires, I want Jesus' desires. And in that, I get to look more like Jesus, which is a blessing for me, okay? And so as we get to dive in to see how we can look more like Jesus, I'm feeling like there's a lot of action steps here. I feel like I have to go Therefore, I have to go to all the nations, right? I have to make disciples. I have to baptize people. I have to teach others. Man, this is a lot for me to do, Jesus. But if we pause right there, you would probably go away from this message feeling like, okay, great, I can just go do more things for Jesus. And you'd actually miss out on everything that I think God's trying to teach us. Because when he says that he's with us, it covers everything else. We try to carry all these things on our own and we try to say, Jesus, I'm going to baptize these people for you. I'm going to teach these people for you. I'm going to go these places for you. But he's saying, I'm with you. And so let's look at that here because when he says he's with us, he's telling us how he loves us. And we need to receive that today because Matthew 28 verse 20 says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with you and he's with me. He's walking with us, not just individually, but as a community of believers. He's walking with us as a family. He's leading your family. He's walking with us as a church family. And we get to see that a community living on purpose and a community living in the presence of God, man, we're empowered by his love. 
that when we are living as a community, we're going to make disciples. We're going to love each other because that's what he's taught us to do. But we also have to make sacrifices. Pastor and author Tim Keller says this. He says, everyone says they want community and friendship, but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. Guys, as a family, it takes sacrifices to grow and to look more like Jesus. Some of your sacrifices might be giving up that weekend trip to actually be with the community of the well. Some of your sacrifices might be saying, I'm not going to move every two years to just start a new story somewhere, but I'm actually going to plant myself and grow in community here. Some of your sacrifice might be saying no to the things that you've been saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. And he's saying, son, daughter, you just need me. Just be with me. And so in these moments where you can say, Jesus, I just want to sacrifice my life for you, he's probably calling you to sacrifice your your love and your life for others also. And so we we can see that, man, we, we have real needs. We have relational needs. We need others. But we see that Jesus is our example of that. And so your first P was power. Your second was that you've got purpose. And the third here is that you have his presence. His presence matters. And our presence matters with other people because the Jesus in you blesses the Jesus in me. And because people matter to God, presence matters to God. So as we give our presence to each other, we really need Jesus and we need Jesus' presence with others too. We need to see Jesus in each other, blessing each other. And so as I think about how I need people's presence right now, it's not just through isolation. It's not just through COVID. It even has to do with dreaming for the future. Because when I'm stuck by myself and isolated, I forget to see how God is working and moving in other people's lives. And I forget the direction he's taking all of us together. I forget that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. I forget the sacrifices that I actually get to experience life in when I lay my life down for other people. And for us as a family, we have to lay our lives down in such a way that we grow to look more and more like Christ. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, when each part is properly working, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As a family, we need to build each other up in love. When you're operating in your gifts and I'm operating in my gifts, we bless each other in such a way that we're discipling each other so that we get to look more like Jesus. We're not just discipling each other for the sake of the mission. We're discipling each other for those that we're on mission with. We get to be a part of the gospel, not just share the gospel with others. And as we do this as a church family, we're going to see life happen. We're going to build each other up in love. We're going to get to see what God is doing, how he's transforming other people's lives because we're walking together to the same goal, the same person. His name is Jesus. He is our goal. He is everything. He's our example for our community. He's why our community should look the way it does. All of it is going back to Jesus. And Jesus came to us. Jesus gave up his rights, his throne to come and be with us, to be sacrificed, to give up his life so that we might have community, so that we might have community with the Father. 
And we get to see that Jesus was obeying the Father even to the point of death, death on a cross. What is God calling you to obey him with, to sacrifice your life for the sake of others? We see that Jesus is actually uh, God with us, that he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us, that we get to look at the one who came to be with us. There's no other religion on earth that says that the God of that religion comes and gives up his life so that we might have life. It's not just so we have life with him. It's not just so that we're safe from hell, but it's so that we have life here with each other to look more like him. So as we do this as a family, I wanna, I wanna challenge you to look at where you're finding your power from right now. When you look at Jesus, are you doubting and you're saying, you know what, I don't really think he has all authority in heaven on earth. I don't really think he can give me what I need to love other people right now. Man, take those doubts to God. He can handle them. Man, if you're, if you're looking at this text today and you're saying, man, God's given me a lot of purpose. I just need to go and do more and more and more. Man, surrender that and say, God, thank you that I get to be a part of something bigger than myself. I'm on mission with other people, but I get to disciple other people and be discipled in that process. Would you be willing to learn from other people today? Would you be willing to learn from others in your church family, in your CG, wherever you are? And guys, as we look towards Jesus more and more, let us celebrate that he has risen from the dead. Let us celebrate this good news because I imagine the walk back from that mountain and seeing Jesus ascend into heaven was much more fun than the walk there. And so as he ascends into heaven, man, they're not doubting, they're worshiping. They're seeing and they're believing and they're encouraging each other. Let's encourage each other with the reality that Jesus is risen. And so let's pray to that end today that we would live that out and walk in God's power with his purpose and to experience his presence as family. Father, I thank you that you give us life, that you take our isolation and our doubt and our pride and you teach us through each other how to disciple each other. You teach us through each other how to look more like you, Jesus. And you remind us that you're with us that you love us and that you're gonna change our lives because of the people around us, not just what you've done for us. So I thank you for commissioning us as family, not just as individuals. Would we lay down our little titles and crowns for your glory? Would we make the sacrifices to really grow in community? And Father, I pray that we would remind each other that you love us enough to die for us, that you've risen again, And for those that don't know you, that are watching this guided gathering, that are praying even right now, God, I pray that you would show them that you are the risen king, that you are gonna take their isolation and that you, Jesus, can forgive them of their sins and that you can use other people as a community to disciple them and love them. Would you remove people's aloneness today and would you point us to the cross through each other? We love you, Jesus. Amen.